0: This is a podcast about stuff that is gay, if you came here for the gay stuff, then you came to the right place, for the boys and the men, for the theys and the thems, for the gays and the girls, and the women in STEM. TV, movies and books, our agenda's got the goods, all the things you want to know, tune in to Speak Out Radio.
1: Kia um, ora you're listening to Speak Out Radio on Access Radio at 106.1 FM. Um, we've got something very exciting today, um, we're changing up a little bit and i are gonna have a bit of an interview slash, uh, kōrero with some wonderful people. So, um, we'll start with some introductions. So, I am, um, Neo, I am a staff member at Inside Up Koro, um, and I use he, him pronouns. Um, and with me I have...
0: Uh, kia ora, uh, my name is Ben and I'm the communications coordinator at Inside Out Quadro. I uh, use he, they pronouns, super excited to be here today and we have two amazing people joining us, would you like to introduce yourselves?
2: Sure, kia ora. I'm... George uh, my pronouns are they them and I am a lecturer in health service delivery at Te Heranga Waka Victoria University of Wellington and the lead investigator on a research project we're here to talk to you about today called the Trans Pregnancy Project kia ora kia ora Good everyone
3: oh Kia ora George <laughs> <laughs> Hello, um, my name is Alex, and yeah, I use he/him pronouns, and I'm sort of a, I guess, I'm a bridge between. I'm, I'm both part of Inside Out, and I'm also a research assistant on the Trans Pregnancy Care Project. So, I've sort of, got my finger in a few different pies. Um, but it's awesome to be here as just a person as well who's interested in trans family building, and um, yeah.
1: Kia ora, korua, and kia ora, um, lovely Ben, for joining us as well. Um, so, uh, obviously, you've mentioned um, the project that we're talking about, the trans-pregnancy um, project. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what that sort of looks like and what you're hoping to find out through that project? For
2: sure. Do you want me to kind of talk about the background a bit, Alex? And it's funny that, that Alex is self-designated as the research assistant and I guess it's fair to say that that's kind of technically true by title but actually you're the kind of you're such a central pillar to our research projects uh Alex and so you're not really the assistant to to the research you are so much of the research so I just wanted to acknowledge that and um you know, we're so lucky to have you and I'm really, really excited to kind of hear, hear as much from you about it as my, my own self, but I it came about because, well, I guess if it, my interest in it came about at the intersections of being uh, a registered midwife who's non, non-practicing, non I haven't worked in clinical care for a long time, uh, but also as a parent of two children who are eight and um, nearly four. And uh, being part of queer and trans communities where, where people are building their families and at, at those various points of intersection feeling really aware of how deeply gendered uh, pregnancy and birth care spaces were and are and uh, hearing the conversation really starting to open up internationally around trans and non-binary inclusive pregnancy and birth care, but but having a sense that there there was a lot of work to do here in Aotearoa around that, and that we didn't, that while there was starting to be some research about trans and non-binary people's kind of negotiation of pregnancy and birth care spaces internationally, there was... There wasn't really any happening in Aotearoa. And we have such a specific model of care here that's very community-driven, that's very midwife-driven. And I, I really wanted and felt like we needed some research that could speak to to the particular context that we were in here and for our communities. And, and fortuitously, in 2020... The Health Research Council of New Zealand put out a call for proposals on uh, research on the in the area of maternity and equity, and um, you know, interestingly, even the call for proposals itself used really gendered language and. And I was like, oh, if there's any equity issue, I could see that we really needed to have a look at here in Aotearoa and in relation to, I say in commas, kind of maternity because we we do acknowledge that that's a gendered term and so we use pregnancy and birth care or perinatal care. But that's how that call for proposals was framed at the time and and thought, Farah, i I'm going to put a team together and we're going to make a bid for some research funding and... We did that, we assembled a really awesome research crew that included some midwifery colleagues at Otago Polytech um, in the School of Midwifery there, Jamie Veal, who's in um, psychology at the University of Waikato and is obviously a, a very significant trans health researcher in Aotearoa and who, uh, she runs the Kantin ourselves study um and Elizabeth Kediketti to bring that Taktapue perspective and um and then we also wanted to make sure that we were really guided by the parent voice itself and so we engaged Scout Barbara Evans who's um a trans parent advocate uh who's based in Autipoti. So we got this amazing team together and we put in for a grant and um kind of didn't think we'd get it, thought we were probably the underdog, um, but we did. And um, at that point, and and so yeah, we were awarded the grant in 2021, and at that point we went on a hunt for, you know, an all-star research assistant, and we really wanted that to be a gender diverse person too, and we were so lucky to get Alex, Alex was our number one pick, and... Um, we were so lucky to have, bring Alex on board. So Alex really rounded out our team and uh, we kicked off in September last year and it's an 18-month study. And I can tell you a bit more about the phases of that study if you're interested, but that's just the kind of background of how it came about. And while that's all been kind of coming together, of course, a huge amount of activity has started to happen in this space both kind of globally and in Aotearoa, and we can talk a bit about that too if you're interested, but,
1: yeah. Kia ora, definitely very interested in all of that. Um, so, uh, you, so you'd so you been thinking about, like, the sort of, this, the research for a while before the grant? Um,
2: yeah, when I, at the time that I applied for the grant, I was actually uh, working as a lecturer in the School of Midwifery at Otago Polytech. And when I got the role there at the end of my uh, long and tortured PhD journey, and I say long and tortured, I mean most people's PhD journeys are a bit long and tortured, but I had both of my babies during mine, so I feel like mine was extra long and tortured. I am so impressed, (laughs) I bow down to you. Mental note to self, like, don't do that. But anyway... (laughs) (laughs) I, I, yeah, I, I got a role in the postgrad program at the School of Midwifery at the Target of Polytech. So I was teaching kind of midwifery knowledges ethics and ethics and research methods and things. But on one of my first days in the job, I met with my new team and I said... What I'm actually here to do is set up a postgraduate course for midwives on rainbow cultural competency because there's no such course at a postgrad level in Aotearoa and we desperately need it. Uh, During my doctorate I had been um, teaching querying healthcare at Auckland Medical School um, in their medical humanities programme and so I'd been working in that space with undergraduate medical students and... Felt really passionate that we needed to um to get that happening in, in midwifery education too. There's been some stuff happening in an undergraduate level, but nothing at postgraduate level. So I developed, I they greenlighted that, and I developed the queer midwifery course, and that that's where we really started to kind of delve into the literature around trans and non-binary inclusive pregnancy and birth care, and where the the idea of 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 research really took route I guess (laughs) yeah
1: that's amazing and obviously this you know you the project that you're working on will um totally inform and help that in the future as well right? yeah
2: hugely and you know because like the that that the whole topic of trans and non-binary pregnancy and pregnancy care and kind of cultural competency and safety for gender-diverse communities around all aspects of, kind of sexual and reproductive health care is a rapidly expanding area, but still, still new. So even though we're starting to see heaps of work happening around the globe on that, we're also really aware that there's not a lot of research on the actual experience of services globally, and certainly there was none in Aotearoa. And probably won't be much surprise to your listeners that because these this area is really starting to open up as an area of activity it's also an area that's getting a lot of pushback and a lot of Mm. kind of backlash from from kind of people who are a bit more committed to the kind of gender essentialist idea in relation to baby having and and from some trans-exclusive radical feminists so yeah a very good time to have the Health Research Council step forward and affirm the place of this research as an equity, as a con- yeah. contributor to equity and, yeah, very needed. But
0: mm. I'm really interested, sort of, if there has been um, sort of um, international research um, sort of uh, in this space, uh, what sort of um, things, uh, perhaps... Um, have informed the sort of methodology and frameworks with which um, uh, you've set up this research project to respond to the specific sort of um, situation and conditions uh, we have here in Aotearoa. Um...
2: Do you want to speak... into the hard question. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Alex, do you want to... I mean, I'm not passing the buck. I'm happy to talk to that, but also keen to hear from you because I know that you have been really delving into the literature and probably have a great mm-hmm. sense of where our project kind of is mm-hmm. aligned and a point of difference. Yeah, yeah. totally.
3: I think um, I was actually just reading an article before, which was like a systematic review of pretty much the current uh, state, and that was published in 2020, um, and that reviewed 26 pieces of research that addressed exactly sort of what we're addressing but it was so much a lot of the the previous stuff is very focused on trans men and trans masculine people I think one of the things that we are seeing and and at least for our interview participants identify with such a, a diverse range of genders and that's quite exciting and I think that's something that we can draw on and contribute to a little more is actually saying there isn't this one I think you know, a lot of, I think we can all agree that the narratives that are told about uh, trans pregnancies, firstly, are often told by cisgender people, and secondly, um, focus really on that binary of, like, and sort of sensationalising, you know, the pregnant trans man. And I think what our research is doing is is extending what's already been done, saying, you know, this is a really important issue to address, but we're also saying it's a really diverse like everyone's experiences are really diverse at least that's my impression of you know what our interview participants are saying and of course there are common themes across that as well um but i just i think that diversity and secondly another thing that i think our um study is is also wanting to do maybe slightly differently i don't i don't quite know exactly but the like just focusing really on that strengths-based approach and also you know i think even within our team the intention of, of having trans and cis researchers and takatāpui researchers collaborating that's um that obviously shapes you know the, the research the, the study itself but also that you know we we look for example um we're currently developing a survey which is the second part of our study and that's for healthcare professionals working in those that, that pregnancy and birth care settings so it's sort of like the first part was interviewing trans non binary people and the second part is um the focusing on the healthcare professionals and what they need um, to improve that care provision. Um, and in the development of the survey, we sort of tossed up whether to use the sort of existing tools that often measure things like um, uh, healthcare professionals' beliefs and knowledge. And we decided actually we want to you know develop questions that are completely informed by our participants and that are unique and more strengths-based because often those ones... Might even perpetuate some of those assumptions about trans and non-binary people, um. So we made that you know like, that decision to, to um, be yeah more slightly, yeah try to focus on that the agency and 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 support I guess in terms of not saying even you know the way that we develop the questions, it's not asking like what don't you know, it's asking what what are you currently doing and and what do you know and and how can what how can, you know. Care, um, medical education and and, uh, system better support you to to provide that affirming care, um, yeah. Those are just some of the things on the top of my mind yeah. about what our study is sort of the cool. I think yeah, to me it's it's the the things that we um are con- contributing and bringing to
2: this space.
1: Wonderful. Um. Do you want to run us like uh, What What's your like? so sorry my brain just stopped working right then um uh what are you so obviously you're hoping is it you're someone help yeah. help you're sos good. sos
3: if i could read your mind I'd answer your question
1: well the problem I is are. i don't know if there's anything in my mind oh, I'm not quite sure. uh, yeah um,
3: i guess
0: i'm sort of really curious um about what sort of things given the sort of interview um, phase of the research is sort of uh, the first phase um, and is informing the development of the sort of survey second part. Maybe you could sort of tell us about, you know, the sort of full 18 months sort of plan for yeah. the research and perhaps what sort of next steps um, you're sort of anticipating um, going forward. And then uh, maybe a follow up to that is, yeah, what, what sort of things are you hearing from participants that are sort of yeah. informing the approach as you sort of... Uh, are evolving in in sort of relation with with the participants.
1: Yeah. I'm going to pretend that that was my question
2: too.
0: (laughs) I just read your mind, you know, I I, I give you you credit for it.
2: (laughs) Alex, shall I speak to the first part of that? And since you're so beautifully immersed in the the data at the moment, you speak to the second part. Does that sound great? Yeah. 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 So I'll, I'll give you a little kind of bird's eye view of the project. You've kind of just referenced it, Alex, but yeah, it's, it's a two-phase study and uh, phase one is the qualitative uh, interview-based study with trans and non-binary takatapui and intersex uh, people who are somewhere on their family building journey through uh, trying to conceive um pregnant uh, or have recently given birth in, in the last kind of few years. Um the idea is that we get a relatively contemporary snapshot of pregnancy and birth care in its state. So uh, we're, we're a little bit stretchy about how recently you needed to have your baby, but uh, kind of, you know, enough for a really a sense of, of kind of where our services are at relatively now-ish. <laughs> um, so yeah, we have we have been recruiting uh Fano for for that study, and we are just about at the end. We we really didn't know how many families w- would be out there who might want to engage in the study. Our plan was to recruit fifteen to twenty people. Um, and we've done twelve interviews now, so we're really kind of getting up to that that 15 mark and um, we'll probably once we get to 15 we'll probably formally close phase one of the study but if people pop up we'll be happy to kind of include them but um so we're kind of for phase one we're starting to shift from data collection so doing these interviews and into uh the analytical process to start moving towards some findings and um i'll get alex to tell you a little bit about some of the things we're hearing acknowledging that it's early days in the analytical process and and so we can give you some little tasters of the things we're hearing but but tentatively, because the qualitative analysis is a bit of a process. Um, Of course. But the, the design idea was that some of those early themes that we were hearing from our interviews with with people and Farno would would therefore shape some of the things that we wanted to find from our the phase two of our study, which is a workforce survey of people across disciplines, so midwifery, obstetrics, fertility specialists, um ultrasonographers, people who take blood, um, you know, all of the people who constitute the multidisciplinary workforce around pregnancy and birth care and fertility care, um, to find out what what they're already doing around trans and non-binary inclusion, if anything, uh, where they got the knowledges that underpin what they're already doing, what they believe are uh, and and what they what they want to know to some extent and and what the gaps are in knowledge um and resources to be able to provide uh, safe quality inclusive care for trans non binary tuck intersex people and uh, what constitutes safe inclusive uh and quality care uh is kind of what we're identifying in phase one of the study and we're you know we're identifying that two ways we're identifying that uh for the care from the care experiences that have been safe quality and inclusive and Sadly, we're also identifying what constitutes that from its absence all too often. So what was it about care that wasn't safe, that wasn't quality, that wasn't inclusive? And then that, you know, if you reverse that, that gives us a lot of important insights about what it is about care that is quality and safe and inclusive. And I won't steal your thunder, Alex, but I think it's fair to say we're hearing both kinds of stories from our Mm -hmm. participants Um. Yeah, and, and having led those interviews, you know, an extraordinary like we're great people, gender diverse people. We are thoughtful, reflective people motivated to towards good, just inclusive society. So it's been incredibly humbling. And wonderful to get to do those interviews and to feel really blessed and blown away by who our people are, but also a bit burdened about how much work we have to do to get healthcare work in the way it needs to for our communities so that's probably a good point and I should just say both of those phases will be brought together in a final report that is actually presented back to the Ministry of Health who collaborated with the Health Research Council on this grant so to add to what you were saying before about maybe the uniqueness of our study Alex says, I think one of the unique things is is that it's very tied to outcome and impact it's designed it's funded to inform health service delivery to shape it and I feel very excited to that, that that's so you know this is not about a university project that publishes things for university people to read although there will be that too but it is actually designed to to go back to the Ministry of Health and inform ser- health service delivery in the pregnancy and birth space and I think that's a, a unique and important feature of this research but I love the sound of my own
3: voice, but I also love the sound of yours, Alex. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I'm riffing off that. I think um, that's, that's totally an exciting thing. I think research is often maybe thought about in this sort of bubble, maybe separate from activism. But I think mm-hmm. this is a really great illustration of how we are, you know, and we, I guess we have that really great responsibility to our participants and to, you know, our communities that we, um, yeah, create positive change with this, what we're finding. And yeah, as George acknowledged that um, we're at the very early stages of analysis. And so we can't really make any sort of, you know, big claims about what people are saying, but there are definitely things coming through. And I guess I could sort of speak to a general narrative of of what's being talked about, Um, and maybe starting with the positive things that, you know, lots of people, um, participants often actively seek out you know, they, they, they really make efforts to find affirming healthcare providers, which, you know, will shape then the care that they receive. So a lot of participants... We're all
1: familiar with the Facebook groups where people, like, go, like, hey, does anyone know any, like, affirming um, doctors or, you know, there's definitely, like, this element of, like, community building through sharing resources.
3: Exactly. Yeah, it's, you can relate it to other other forms of healthcare, yeah, totally yeah. and, and i think because there are so there are like few and george please you know feel free to jump in my background's not in midwifery at, at all but um what i'm hearing from participants is that you know there are few but good uh, midwives in aotearoa who are doing awesome stuff and so they um that people are able to create a sort of sense of um safety and in a, in a bubble so to speak around the the access to healthcare that they can control. So in Aotearoa, you know, we have this unique model that, you know, your care, pregnancy care can be largely in your community rather than always going to a hospital. So people really value that. And so when that bubble, say if someone does need to go to the hospital, something unexpected happens, that, that lack of consistency of care can be quite... Um, quite a concern for people because then all these questions come up in terms of how will I be treated in a healthcare system that doesn't see, that is highly gendered and that doesn't make space for, uh, for our, our you know, gender diverse whānau. And so that's a big thing that people talk about is just the lack of, I, I guess, simplified, it's sort of the erasure of, of gender diversity um the, the assumptions that are made based on, you know, bodies and what bodies can do, but also that yeah, there's just in terms of resources and things, there's just not a there's an absence of that representation and again, quite relatable to other forms of healthcare, but I guess particularly because this is a really gendered space with pregnancy, um, mm. that that's not only for the an individual who's who's pregnant, but also for their support people and their whānau as well and so i guess that cisnormativity is experienced in very both quite passive ways just like that the, you know the, there's nothing and that people don't try but there's also a few examples of that more active um challenging of, or questioning someone's gender and that impacting their, their mental health and well-being and and also their material access to care um and so there's Again, that, you know, pregnancy and, and trying to conceive, that's already a really vulnerable time. So when you add a layer on um, in terms of gender, that just that adds a layer of stress that people have to navigate. Um, yeah, I'm um, it's. It, I'm just slightly overwhelmed at this stage just looking at reading the interviews and really getting deep into them. So I'm, my brain's all over the place. So I hope that made sense. But those are just a few of the things Definitely. that... Um, that we're finding and also just to go back to the agency of people people really strategize about how they access care you know they are ready for things to happen and sadly you know sometimes it's about letting things go and not challenging things because that's actually easier than you know calling out someone for um, if they misgendered them because of their emotional labor so yeah that's another aspect it's almost like a catch-22 that's a yeah like something you know if you do something then it'll be hard but if you don't do something it'll also be hard weighing up those options do I do that um but yeah I guess just also that impact of stress you know physiologically on 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 your your body and your mind and your spirit like that's obviously has long-term impacts on not only you but your baby and like your whanau
0: yeah absolutely I'm really curious that um because it sort of seems like there's a value in um, uh, sort of uh, equipping and informing trans, gender, diverse, non-binary, takatapui, intersex folks who are going to navigate these services with information to help them Advocate for themselves, um, but also recognizing that that burden shouldn 't be placed on on mm. um, on those folks and their whānau, um, and obviously a need to address the like structural problems within the sort of health system um, and that lack of awareness um, and the lack of support and lack of education um, but sort of I imagine that there's this sort of tension at this stage in this sort of work of um, supporting folks who are trying to navigate the system, recognizing that there's a lot of work to do, while also trying to help the the system be more responsive. So um, yeah, I'm really curious what um, uh, you sort of, George, were talking about some of the stuff that's starting to happen in this space. Um, What's some of the more practical changes or sort of uh, things that are sort of starting to happen or starting to be imagined coming out of this sort of interest and, and need?
2: Yeah, I think that's such a great question. You really beautifully captured that, that tension. You know, we, we, we. It's such a key finding in our research of all of these strategies and self and whānau advocacy that happen, and we want to affirm those and bring those to light. But also, uh, and and because because trans and non-binary people in their whānau can and will uh advocate for themselves but yeah exactly they shouldn't have to and that was really about part of the design of the research was that it didn't stop with hearing the experiences of trans and non-binary people in their whanau it it then went well well let's shift our focus to the workforce and find out what is and isn't there and what needs to be done to support services and and the wider system of perinatal care to to be delivering the, the care that that it should um, and yeah there's there's a, there's a bunch of activities the, um, the there's been some really great work happening in the UK uh, the Brighton and Sussex NHS Trust University hospitals I think, I think I got it, uh, have run, have led a gender inclusion in perinatal care project um, that's done some amazing work. They have gender inclusive midwife specialist midwives, they have uh, developed guidelines on language change in perinatal care, and uh, with the idea of, you know, really shifting language to acknowledge that not all service users are, are women and women. Uh, think about their bodies um in in ways that denote uh femaleness and um that's been a really wonderful guideline to come out of the uk and we're we're using it all sorts of places um i think as far as i know it's the only one really of its kind that exists um at the moment um the, there's things happening in Aotearoa we ha, we, you know, some such exciting things we have the querying midwifery course that's running, we now have some rainbow specialist uh, midwives starting to pop up in practice, we've got the wonderful Arlene Oram in, in Tamaki Makoto um, and with her colleague Lou Kelly, who's a non-binary person, they are running rainbow inclusive childbirth education classes um I someone just sent me yesterday a link for um rainbow inclusive Late like, pregnancy massage service that's popped up in Tamaki Makoto. Well, mm. There's work you know uh a project we've just done over the summer was looking at uh trans and non-binary inclusion in midwifery education uh and we've done a project between um, Otago Polytechnic School of Midwifery and. Uh, the School of Midwifery at X University in Toronto uh, and they have done some amazing work in that program around progressing trans and non-binary inclusion and so we've been working collaboratively uh, running workshops and uh, have just written a, a, a project where we did reflective conversations across those two midwifery schools to to kind of capture our reflections and to form a bit of a roadmap like if, if for other midwifery educators who may want to go on that journey so lots of exciting projects the College of Midwives in Aotearoa is is starting to acknowledge uh, the need to to go on the trans and non-binary inclusion journey um, and I did a training with them last year so some great things happening um, but yeah, as I said, also a bit of bit of pushback, and um, that's what you expect when you are creating change. So,
3: it's it's, it's a yeah, sign that totally. you know you're doing something. You know, you're yeah. making an impact. Yeah. <laughs>
2: True. Yeah. Um.
1: Well, I'm conscious we're running low on time. So, is there any last little things you want to speak to, or um, anything you want our audience to know or hear?
2: Probably just one thing for me is that. You know i guess the, the the in a way this project's future focus because yes trans and non-binary people have always been here and have always been having babies but we are in an environment where gender affirming care pathways are opening up and being established and where fertility preservation is being starting to be kind of offered and protected for people who do access gender affirming health care and so uh, I guess this is about, and, and you know, I think we're starting to see gender exploding in terms of its possibilities for our rangatahi, and so yes, we need this now, but, but more to the point, this is about pregnancy and birth care for, for, for the future, for, for, for young people who may not yet be having babies, but that when they do, we're going to need... Gender conceptualized and provided for in ways that our services just aren't there with yet. So that was just my reflection there. Yes, now, but more, more, more for for our younger people coming through. I think. Did you have any Beautiful. last thoughts, Alex?
3: Oh, uh, super quickly. Um, yeah, I just wanted to also add. That, I guess Yeah, trans reproductive health is so expansive. This is one part of it, but there are so many ways that trans and non-binary people choose to have. Families, yeah. if all, you know, there's, um, you know, some people really value that being biologically related to their kids and other people that's not important. So just, you know, affirming that there are heaps of ways and this is one aspect, but we, we're sort of, you know, we're also fighting obviously for reproductive justice and, and family ju- building justice across the the board of however you choose to have um, kids. But just knowing totally. that, you know, these possibilities are increasing or, like, because trans people have, are getting their agency to tell their own narratives.
2: And probably just added to that, that, you know, that we haven't talked a lot about it. Um, but, you know, because this is a reproductive justice-oriented project, that, that intersectionality is an important lens for us. So we're never, ever treating this as, as a single issue issue that people bring multiple aspects of their identity and social positionality um, across indigeneity across ethnicity across socioeconomic status and and that that is something that that we've been attentive to that's foundational to to kind of our analytical approach yeah
0: if folks want to stay in, informed um about this sort of research project how would they how would they like, how would they keep up with the amazing work that you're doing
3: Awesome. Um, For people who are interested in following the Trans Pregnancy Care Project, we've got um, a Facebook page. You can follow us on Instagram. We also have a website. um, And feel free to email us as well, either George or myself or any of the research team. Um, Our contact details you'll find on www.transpregnancycareproject.wordpress.com or something like that. Or just, you know, Instagram, Facebook. If you're, you know, would love to hear from people, whether it's you know people like healthcare professionals who are interested, um, trans non-binary people, with obviously, you know, anyone's welcome to still participate in an interview. Mm-hmm. So yeah, lots of different channels.
2: Amazing. What's the awesome. and yeah well, maybe um, nga mihi... oh. I was gonna say maybe we can come back in another year and tell you all about what we found out. <sighs> that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, well,
1: ngamahi Nui, um, to you both for coming and chatting to us, um, about this, and thanks Ben for asking those amazing questions and reading my mind when I had the exact same question <laughs> that you totally had um, so uh, thank you everyone for coming on board and thank you everyone who's listening um, at home um, as a reminder we are on Access Radio um, at 4pm on Mondays or you can also find um, Speak Out on Spotify Apple Podcasts and Podbean Kia ora koutou, nga um takite <laughs> Kia Etefano, you're listening to Speak Out Radio on 106.1 FM or maybe on our podcast form. Um, once again, I'm Neo, I use he, him pronouns. Um, I am the volunteer and community engagement coordinator at Inside Out Koro, and here with me is Edie. Edie, would you like to introduce yourself to the people?
4: Kia ora, um, my name is Edie, um, I use she, her, they, them pronouns. Um, and I'm the funding and volunteer coordinator for Inside Out. Um, that's me.
1: And also my partner in crime in all things evil.
4: In all things evil, yeah. yes, yes, I agree. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's what we do at Inside Out, evil crime.
4: <laughs> that's how um, we roll.
1: Disclaimer, no we don't, <laughs> tabby don't tell me off. <laughs> okay, um, so we're just adding a little bit on to the end of this episode. We've got a couple things to talk about um just because you know we just didn't have enough time with the wonderful interview but how cool was that right that's such a cool project um the trans pregnancy care project um edie you'll just have to listen to it when it comes out i'm afraid because you weren't there
4: i'm excited i'm excited to listen to this episode (laughs)
1: um i just hate listening to my own voice so i refuse to listen to it
4: Mm. i'm happy to proofread for you
1: um Okay, thank you. Okay, so first up, we are talking about Shift Hui. Um, If you haven't heard about Shift Hui, um, that's totally okay. You're one of the lucky people who gets to learn about it today. Um, So Shift Hui is Inside Out's annual Hui for rainbow um, rangatahi from all across the country. Um, Generally, when um, what we generally do is we bring together around 50 rainbow rangatahi from, as I said, all over the country... Um, to a marae um, in Te Whanganui Atara in Wellington for a weekend, um, generally over the Easter weekend. And we have activities, we have workshops, we have all kinds of fun. Um, and it's just a really nice place to build community, um, meet some people, you know, meet some young people who would like you. And it's really fun. Um, this year it is digital for obvious safety reasons. um but that doesn't mean it won't be just as fun. Um, I believe that it is running from the 23rd to the 26th of April. So you get even more days of Shift Hui, which what's not to love? Um, and registrations will be coming out very, very soon. I was told this week. So by the time this episode comes out, it might be out. Or if not, very, very soon. So if you want to keep an eye on that, just keep checking our social media. For the registration forms. So that's our Facebook. Our Instagram. Um, I think our Twitter. Anything like that. Um, you can just keep an eye on there. And we will make a big deal out of it when it comes out. Because we want everyone to come join us. For Shift Um I really love Shift. I think I joined as a rangatahi in the first place. And it, was, it meant a lot to me. Because it was kind of the space where I could. You know. Fully be myself. Um, when I didn't have that at home actually shift was the first place i got a binder um and it was really sweet because i was like crying and my friends were like hugging me and it was amazing
4: oh that's um, so lovely
1: yeah yeah actually then we did the same for my other friend the year after mm. they also got a binder so um it's just you know a place of like gender euphoria i think um mm. also there's a mean talent show Everyone at Shift is so talented. It's incredible. Um next up, uh Edie, would you like to talk a little bit about our next point?
4: Our next point is um Trans Day of Visibility, uh coming up on the uh thirty first of March. Um And it's, I don't know, it's a really important day. Um, You can't see because this is audio, but I've got my lovely trans flag behind me here. Um, Yeah, I think... I can see it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's a really beautiful day, I think. Like, it means a lot in terms of... um, just solidarity and representation. Like, trans representation like means a lot to me and i'm someone who transitioned very late in life because i didn't have access to the words i didn't have access to um the 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 role models and the people to look up to and seeing more trans people in the world gave me the like the language to use to understand myself better and um yeah, yeah. So visibility is so important. It's beautiful. That's that's what Trans Day of Visibility means to me.
1: Oh, lovely. Thank you, Edie. Um, plus you get to see lots of really cool selfies from a lot of really, like, awesome trans people. Mm. Have you experienced that? Like, on just people, like, upload selfies of themselves, and it's always amazing. Because you just stunning. get to see these, like, trans people just being them their cool selves, you know? Um... And then our last point, man, we are speeding through this, um, is that it's Neurodiversity Celebration Week from March 21st to the 27th. So it might have already passed by the time this episode comes out. Um, but, you know, you can still um, look back and mark it in your calendars for next year. Um, this is actually a new thing to me. I didn't know that this was a thing until, uh, until I was told just the other day. Um, And they have a really cool website which has a bunch of resources um, and, like, how to get involved if you're at school, if you're at uni, if you're a student, if you're a parent, if you're a workplace. Um, Yeah, and the website is very pretty. Um, As well as I think that this is a really cool thing because lots of neurodiversities are... Speaking as a neurodiverse person myself, lots of neurodiversities are seen as you know, bad things or um, things that need to be fixed or um, things that should just be not visible, should be kept hidden. So I think it's really important to have something that actually celebrates these things and sort of celebrates all the differences that we have um, and the ways that our brains just express themselves. Um, If you are a long-time listener, you will be familiar with the episode that I did um on psychosis, um, way back. Um and I think specifically for me, my what I now know is um been diagnosed with schizophrenia is something that I keep hidden because of shame, um, because sometimes I can believe that, you know, falling under the influence of my delusions is something that makes me weak or lesser so I think it's it's really important to have these sorts of things like Neurodiversity Celebration Week to remind myself that no, actually, it's fine. It's, it's, it's just a natural part of who I am. And it's not something I should be ashamed of. It's something I should be proud of living with and, you know, um, uh, just getting on with my life with it and celebrating that it's like, I don't like it, but it's taught me some really amazing things. Um, and what's better than talking to your friends and having to happy stim because they said something really cool and you just can't contain yourself, you know? Um, So Neurodiversity Celebration Week, you heard it here first. Um, Stim all you like. It's stimming encourage time.
4: (laughs) I support that, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, Also,
4: (laughs) check out the um, Neurodiversity Celebration Week uh, website as well it's
1: Mm.
4: looks well one just looks really pretty and um has a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of cool resources on there
1: pretty cool i don't know they have cool everything they actually have a comic they have some comic books um which i think is incredible they have i think how many volumes they have three volumes of a comic book called the umbrella gang which is pretty damn neat i think inside out should hire someone to make us a comic book of like all the nonsense that we get up to like I a shift whoey comic book. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, we need to make we this hire happen. To make this happen, yeah, Tabby, get on this.
4: <laughs> this is this is how we talk to our boss through a podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. If you're not listening, Tabby, Um. I guess just whatever. We'll just email you or something. Mm. Um. <laughs> yeah. That's that's like everything that. I had written down that we had to get through. So, Shift Huey, Registration's Open Soon, Um, uh, Trans Day Visibility, and then Neurodiversity Celebration Week. Um, I'm going to be fully transparent with the audience. We said that we should do 20 minutes of recording. I'm thinking maybe we can push it, or pull it down to 15, because it's only been 10.
4: If you're sure, I mean, I'm sure they're hungry for far more content.
1: Yes, but what content do we have, Edie?
4: Um, surely you can talk about animals for a little bit longer.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, called out. Um, <laughs> uh, you, uh, I mean, what's going on in your life, Edie? Anything you want to share with the lovely audience? Tell us about your video games.
4: Okay. No, I'll do. You, I'll do you one better. I'm gonna mm-hmm. tease a potential future episode.
1: <gasps> okay. Because
4: I, <clears throat> I am sitting and and brewing on um, uh, a Dungeons and Dragons um, um, rant, if you will. Because I, Amazing. I can, I, I, I contest that Dungeons and Dragons is inherently queer. And
1: Absolutely, we'll be
4: able to talk for hours on that. So that's a little teaser for our audience. Is look out for the next five-hour episode that's going to come out with just me rambling about D and D.
1: Double that. <laughs> speak out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We actually <laughs> have like so me uh, Ben and Edie are all really on this, and I'm pretty sure we have someone else who will be so keen. And then there's probably going to be a billion people, so we might even have to separate into groups, I'm thinking, just to fit mm. everyone on there. Because otherwise it's really annoying for our editors, editor to sync up, like, six different people's audio. Mm. Um, mm, that's fair enough. That's good, that's good. Um, and then thank then just for the teaser, Edie.
4: And then just wait until we release our own d d podcast. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Tabby, if you're listening... <laughs>
1: Yeah, just mm. sneak that in early, you know, lay the foundation of bringing it up to Tabby. Um, that mm. That We can do that on work hours, right? I think so. Um, I want to tease... You've given me the great idea of teasing next month's episode as well. Mm. Um, we have some very cool volunteers who are going to speak to a little bit um, about their experiences at secondary schools, being Rainbow. Um, and I'm sure they're going to have some really interesting kōrero because... They, there's quite a wide range of experiences that I know that they have, and they're all very cool people, so look out for that. Um, and I'm going to tell them that they should, um, because I'm the boss, um, <laughs> um, I'm not the boss, um, I'm going <laughs> to tell the them boss. that I think they should, okay, thank you, Edie. Um, I'm going to tell them that they should maybe put some tips in there, so for any um, rangatahi high school aged, uh, high school age young listening um hopefully they'll be able to share some tips or things that they'd wish that they've known um when they were in high school um you know mm. being rainbow
4: that sounds wonderful oh,
1: exactly
4: yeah. exciting yeah.
1: so good things coming up in the speak out zone
4: mm-hmm yeah stay you know tuned what? to find out more
1: indeed indeed um yeah. You'll never believe what these people have to say. <laughs> um, Ten tips and tricks for surviving high school. New hot episodes in your area.
4: So the next one's just going to be pure clickbait, is what we're saying. Yeah, that, is... it's going
1: to be a clickbait title. Maybe this mm. one should be a clickbait title.
4: Yeah. I agree.
1: <laughs> I think Chabby might um tell me off. Um... <laughs> One thing I do want to quickly say is that, you know, like how it's speak out and in inside out, the out is capitalized. Mm. It's not consistent with speak out. I know. It's like, it's, it's the problem, but I don't want to change it because I don't know how and I'm scared.
4: It's a big undertaking. (laughs) But, um,
1: like on Spotify and stuff, it's speak space out with a capital O and Mm. then it's radio. And then I think on, like, all my internal messages, it's Speak Out, capital out. So this, it's a serious problem. We need to get this sorted, Edie.
4: Mm, let's get our people on it, you know?
1: Yeah. Let's, yeah. Mm. My people will talk to Spotify's people. And then Spotify's people will talk to Apple Music's people. And then Apple Music's people will talk to Podbean's people. And then Podbean's people will talk to Tabby. And then Tabby will talk to me. And then I'll get told off for not doing it. Myself. <laughs>
4: Yeah, that sounds like a really efficient way of going about this.
1: <laughs> totally, I don't know what you're talking about. Because um, all we're talking about is
4: fixing a. two letters.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the space, you. And oh, the
4: space. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot about the space. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How dare you.
4: Also, I'd love our listeners to realise that <clears throat> they're just getting an, a glimpse now into the the just ongoing banter that happens in the office.
1: Yeah, and even because we're working at home right now, Edie and I and sometimes Ben do a thing we call Chitter Chatter, where we just do Zoom audio um, and we just talk nonsense while we're working. Um, it's it's actually, okay, fun that's a tip if you have someone like a friend or maybe a colleague that you're close with um genuinely it's really good for productivity because I feel like having someone to bounce things off is a really or just even because like if you talk to yourself people might be like oh that's weird which is fine if you're you know talking to yourself and being weird um nothing wrong with being weird um, but if you do it with someone else and someone comes over, like a parent or something, and they're like, what are you, who are you talking to? And you would be like, oh, I'm on a Zoom with Edie, you know?
4: You could also use that excuse if, if you're not talking to me as well, then I give you permission to just talk to yourself and claim that you're talking to me.
1: You've cracked the code, Edie. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've nailed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay you heard it here first folks if you are talking to yourself and someone's like why are you talking to yourself you can just be like oh I'm talking to Edie and they'll be like Who is, who's Edie and they'll be like and you can be like oh she's the cool person off the podcast that mm. I love
4: just play this podcast and respond to my voice respond yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> while you're working that seems like the most productive way to work
1: I think so i think so i can't see anything wrong with
4: this mm, mm.
1: <laughs> um okay i think before we go off into any more nonsense and ramp ramps and tangents i think we're gonna end it there um so thank you Edie, for coming and chatting with me for a little bit i appreciate you taking the time
4: thank you for having me it's been a delight
1: pleasure pleasure is this your first time being on speaker
4: this is my first time <gasps>
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for not making a huge deal about it.
4: I'll crack the champagne later. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Yes, okay, and thank you listeners for listening, as always. Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to say hi, you want to send me pictures of your pets, um, send an email to neo, N-E-O, at insideout.org.nz. Um, please send me pictures of your pets. That's I'll get on that
4: as well. Send today. me pictures of your cats. That's edie at insideout.org.nz. But send them to me first. <laughs> That's rude.
1: Well, you know what? You can just
4: put us both don't, in You it. can't take... You can just put us both in You it. can't take... Okay, yeah. Please don't hog all the <laughs> pet pictures to yourself.
1: I'll forward some to you. Some Thank them. you. Um... <laughs> Thank you for listening again. Um we hope you have a beautiful rest of your month and as always we will see you next month. Ma te wa, kakite ano, all of that good stuff. Bye.
4: Kakite bye.